Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Huss coming to you from Los Angeles, California. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I often include an appeal to buy my guest's wine or Centralis wine, my wine, as a way to support them and this podcast and to benefit the health of the environment, which we all know needs our support more than ever right now. But the truth is that I don't think I or my guests have sold a single bottle of wine because of this podcast. And my guest for this episode wrote a book about why that is the case. Professor Maggie Delmas refers to most of us as convenient environmentalists. That is, our self-interest is still the number one priority when making environmentally positive consumption decisions. Hey, no judgment. I'm the same way. In other words, we buy wine because it tastes good to us primarily, and it's a great bonus if it was also grown and distributed in a way that benefits the environment. Professor Delmas's book is called The Green Bundle, Pairing the Market with the Planet, and it's a must-read for anyone trying to sell any environmentally friendly products, including wine. It's as much a book about human psychology as it is a deep study of marketing and consumer motivation in relation to green products. But that's not all. Professor Delmas has just written a paper in which she analyzes multiple studies she conducted on comparing the scores by the most prominent critics in France and California of over 200,000 wines over a 20-year period. The results? Certified biodynamic and organic wine tastes better. That's right. Biodynamic and organically grown wines have received statistically significantly higher scores than conventionally grown wine across the last two decades. And this is the most comprehensive and conclusive study of its kind that I'm aware of. I hope you enjoy this interview with Professor Maggie Delmas, Professor of Management at the Institute of Environment and Sustainability at UCLA and the Anderson School of Management. And I hope you have a much more compelling reason to buy some delicious biodynamically and organically grown wine, because it tastes great. Enjoy. One small note of apology for a noise issue that you can hear as Professor Delma speaks. It's something that wasn't present in the interview, but showed up when I went back to edit the recording. I was unable to get rid of it, and I hope you can enjoy the interview despite of it. Uh, my apologies. Hey, all right. Well, welcome, Maggie. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm very happy to be here. Um, so... Let's just start with who you are, you or what your job is. Professor of Management at the Institute of Environment and Sustainability at UCLA and the Anderson School of Management. Yes. And lovely. <laughs> so, and I will say, you have some very interesting, you've done some very interesting studies that apply uh, very directly to wine in some cases and, and, and very close to wine in other cases. The reason I found you was the most recent study that you did where you compared data from wine critics and discovered that biodynamic and organic wine got better ratings. Is that a good summary of that study? Yes, absolutely. Yes, we looked at uh, wines in, in France. We looked at 128,000 wines that were rated by the three main um, you know, magazines there, uh, Gomillo, Bethany du Sauve, and Gilbert Gaillard. And what we found is that those that were either 
organic or biodynamic, that were certified uh, with these labels, had better ratings, about six points higher ratings in the sample. You said 128,000 wines. Yes, yes. So that's a pretty big sample size. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when were these wines produced? Was this over the last how many years or what, what, what were there vintages that were that yeah, it was so we're looking at about you know kind of 95 to 2015 about about okay so a, a, a wide range of vintages then too yes. almost 20 20 more than 20 years yeah. no 20 years if my math is not that great but about 20 years <laughs> um, <laughs> um so that's that seems like very good evidence for for that claim. Um, did did you have an inkling about that? Like, what what promoted that? I mean, what what inspired that study? For oh you? well, actually, this is you know we've done another study in California, so we're kind of you know gathering uh, evidence in uh, the main uh, regions of, uh, I mean, the the main wine producing regions of the world. We started with California, where we looked at seventy four thousand wines. Uh, from uh, that were rated by the wine spectator, wine enthusiast, and Robert Parker, and we did find you know kind of similar things. Um, there it was about four points uh, higher okay. the uh, kind of green wines, and the question was you know is it is it just about California? Is it just about these specific uh, magazines? Is it um, or is it a story that is beyond that? And so we decided to go see what what happened in France. And as you guessed, I, I am French, you know, I, from my accent, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't hide it, can't change it. So um, sorry for the listeners who are not used to the, to the accent, but I know, oh, I think yeah, it's so I, I was on sabbatical in France. Um, and that's what, you know, the, uh, the fantastic opportunities that uh, we get as faculty members to spend time, you know, somewhere else to do research and and with my uh, collaborator, co-author Olivier Jago, we decided to look at, at French wines too. And uh, and then the story is similar. We find that these wines that are certified um, tend to be rated higher. And so, how did that started um, was kind of a while ago. I was um, at uh, UC Santa Barbara at the time, and I was talking to someone. His name is Jim Fetzer, who is from the you know family of Fetzer Wines. Sure. Very interested in in, uh, in sustainability, sustainability and, and organic wines, and and he said, you know, I I would like to start a new uh, winery uh, that is kind of sustainable, but I can't use organic. I don't like the label. People don't really like the label. It's not, you know, it's not good quality wine. There's some kind of stigma associated with it. So I want to use biodynamic instead. I was like, what is oh, wow. And so he explained to me that biodynamic um, agriculture is a more kind of a holistic approach that includes animals and, and of course, without chemicals, it's organic plus, including kind of a, an entire farming system that is very similar to the way practices were, you know, kind of maybe 100, 200 years ago where farmers were looking at the cycle of the moon to kind of decide when they should cut the, the vines and when they should um, they should use, uh, you know, kind of different practices based on, on kind of this holistic approach. So oh, this is interesting, but okay. Um, 
And, and then we kind of started to think about this of, you know, what type of label should a company use when they want to communicate about sustainability? What are the benefits of certification? Is it about the practices? Is it about getting third-party certification, someone coming to your farm and figure, you know, and, and auditing you that helps you kind of uh, do things the right way? But what exactly are these, you know, certification about and how are they perceived by consumers? So then we kind of did a, uh, a survey of, um, of wineries asking them, you know, about their practices, sustainable practices in California. And what we found, which was very surprising to us, is that only one third of the wineries that had actually adopted um, certification that were, you know, certified organic um, or biodynamic, only one third would put this on their bottle, would label it on their bottle. So certification yeah. is about 15%, 20%, 30%, depending on, on, uh, you know, on the type of certification, more expensive than not doing it, right? It's, it adds to the cost of growing grapes. And then we found out, okay, they get this cost, they get slow certification, and yet they don't want to talk about it to consumers. Right. And that was very, very strange to us. I've, I've seen that in, in uh, you know, I'm looking at, you know, in uh, other industries about yeah. sustainability and yeah. I, I look at various sectors. I've never seen that. Firms that actually don't talk about their sustainable practices. It's very rare. Right. So that was kind of the puzzle. Why, why, what, what is going on out there? Well, and that led you to write a book about it, right? Yes. So um, I, I wrote this book. Uh, the title is The Green Bundle. Pairing the market with the planet. And uh, the book is really about the fact that consumers are willing to do the right thing. They are willing to, uh, and they really want to, to do something for the environment. Uh, they want to change their behavior. And when you ask people, most people are going to say, yes, I, I, I think we need to do something. I want to do something. 75% about, you know, and the various surveys are similar numbers. And then when you go to the stores, when you go to, when you see the numbers in terms of the percentage of product that ha there are more sustainable that have certified labels, you get to less than 10%. So there is this big gap between what people um, say they want to do and what they actually do in the marketplace. And, and I feel like if, you know, all of us want to change, um, you know, to improve the our footprint, reduce our, our impact we, on the planet, uh, we need to kind of um, start with what we consume. And yeah, I mean, yeah. What, yeah, what we realize is that um, people are not really ready to do kind of to, um, if there's any trade-off between sustainability, the public goods, you know, good for the planet, good for the environment, and their own private benefit when they purchase a product, let's say the quality is lower or, you know, kind of the price is higher, the quality is lower, then it's not working that well. So we need to find ways to combine the public good, the environment, benefit to the environment, and the private benefit for the consumer. So public and private. So that's was kind of the concept of the green bundle. You need to bundle the public, the you know public good and the private benefits. And one way to do this is to find products that, at the same time, are better for the environment and increase quality. 
Right. I was going to say, it sounds like you've, you've both posed the problem and solved it uh, immediately after by finding these studies and pulling this data for the, the wine quality assessment in France and California. I, I, I wish I, this was that easy and that <laughs> the solution. <laughs> this is one example where actually it's worked. I mean, it's not you know that simple, but wine... Well, at least for wine, right, yeah. <laughs> where you can actually bridge what the, I mean, like the, what the winemakers you know, say, you can bridge this, uh, this gap where you do have a product that's when you make it more sustainable, you get to a higher quality product. So what the, we, we uh, interviewed winemakers and what they say is, well, you know, it's easier to work with the, the grape if there are no chemicals on it. Um, some of the, the vines, because they, you produce a little bit less, uh, maybe there is more sugar to the, you know, to the grapes that remain on the, wine, on the vine. Maybe the soil, because there is more organic content, because you have not kind of killed the organic content with uh, pesticides, then the soil is more fertile. So there might be some reasons to think that organic practices lead to higher quality grapes and higher quality grapes should lead to higher quality wine. So that's kind of, you know, kind of what, what far, I mean, winemakers are saying. And so kind of the question is, okay, they are doing it for the quality, but they don't still don't want to talk about it to their consumers because they <laughs> consumers don't think this way. And consumers are a bit confused of what these wines are about. And that there is this negative stigma that maybe came from the early days of um, organic winemaking was hippie wine, not really associated with, uh, you know, kind of the big... Uh, um, you know, if, if I say in French terms, like the, the big French chateau that definitely at the beginning didn't um, didn't adopt sustainable practices. So there might be this confusion, confusion, sorry, uh, there might be this uh, confusion in the mind of consumers. And that might be the reason why only one third of uh, um, wineries that have adopted sustainable practices and certified them are not communicating about it on the bottle. It's, it also, I, I mean, my theory is that it also has to do with the labeling laws about organic wine um, and that, you know, you can be the best organic farmer in the vineyard, but unless you certify your winery, you can't say that on the label. You can't say made with organic grapes. You can list it as a, like an, or, you, you can list organic grapes as an ingredient on the back label, um, but you can't say organic wine or organic grapes uh, unless you certify both the vineyards and the winery. And then if you say organic wine, which is, you know, the big one that people like if you're a consumer and you know nothing about it to you, everything is organic wine. And you see that on a label that that also means no sulfites were added. And, and we know, you know, unless we know that's a big risk in winemaking that you, you t you're rolling the dice with what could happen to the wine and as it lives in bottle, how it's stored, it's not going to be as stable or just in the winemaking, it can produce uh, flavors. And so I, I mean, I, that was my experience as well 20 years ago with, you know, whatever was available that was called organic wine. Cause you wanted to try organic wine. And if it's, if you're just shopping at the grocery store for organic wine, it's going to be $15 stuff that didn't use sulfites. And a lot of times the quality was not that great, honestly. Um, but that right. doesn't mean, 
but that doesn't yeah but that the reality so is I, I think i think what you're, yeah. you're raising a very important point which is that in the united states the um the label is confusing because you use arsenic yes. for two very different processes right so right. so you have wine made out of organically grown grapes that's one process and then you have organic wine that includes both i mean or, i mean organic grapes and no sulfites basically in the winemaking process and that right. definitely could result as you say in wine that uh, evolves organically not always in the direction that you would like it to go right so so that's creating some confusion confusion because the wine made out of organically grown grapes doesn't have this um this you know downside right but yet people just see organic, they don't really understand the, the subtleties, right? Of, right. Of, exactly. And that has been, I think, a very pro I mean, a very big issue. You know, what these labels are supposed to do, they're, they're supposed to um, reduce the information asymmetry between the producer who knows about sustainable practices and the consumer who doesn't know anything and want just to get a very clear, I mean, very simple signal in the store so they don't have to, you know, kind of investigate too much and they don't have to go to the farm to the vineyard to figure out how things are done. And so right. the in that case, actually, it's not clear to me that the signal, that the label is uh, reducing this information asymmetry. I think it's creating more confusion than it's, it's uh, you know, helping. So yeah. that's, a, that's a problem that is clearly um, specific to the United States. Right. In Europe, I think things are a little bit clearer on what is organic and what is not, um, what is what they call it bio in, uh, in right. France and what is biodynamic. So I think yeah. we'll have less of that confusion. And maybe that helped a little bit the uh, Europeans to be a little bit more interested in the label, actually. Mm. Yeah. But, but what sense. you're saying is, you know, there could be, there could be some... Um, some practices that are sustainable and are not certified, and then you, of course, cannot, cannot label it. But you also, and that's, I think, what is interesting about the French study as compared to the California study we did before, is that in France, you have this label that is, that, you know, some um, wineries put on, on their bottle that is called uh, reasonable wine, kind of lutte raisonné in French, meaning that these are people who say, we don't want to go to the extreme of having to get through this organic certification with third-party certification, all of this. We are, you know, kind of reasonable in our approach. We're not extremists. We are doing what's, you know, what is required. We're never kind of, um, you know, using chemicals when not needed. Um, and therefore, we have this label of, you know, reasonable uh, wine. And so that kind of allowed us, allowed us to see, okay, what is the, actual value of certification, of third-party certification, which is very constraining because you need to wait, you know, three years before you can get the certification. And then if there is any really big problem, a pest or, you know, that you want to really uh, address with chemicals, then you lose the certification. So right. what is the benefit of certification versus having a more flexible approach? Um, and what we find in our study is that in terms of how these wines are rated by experts, it looks like the third-party certification is the only one that makes a difference. That right. wine that are labeled um, recent wine are actually are reasonable. I don't know if you, I mean, how you, you might translate it in different ways, but they are not getting the same 
push, you know, kind of in terms of association with, um, you know, how quality scores from the, the rate. Right. Is that true? Was there a, a, a comparison in California? Because I know, you know, we have, we use the term here, like practicing or transitioning organic, where you're not yet certified or you don't care to get certified, but you're using the practices of organic or biodynamic farming. Well, but, um, uh, we haven't looked into this. I mean, you're right. In California, there are a bunch of different um, certifications, right? That are not uh, right. third party certified. So we haven't looked into these. Part of my thought about that is, you know, a lot of times some of these things are are economic, economically based. And if you're in a less economically viable place, like if you're in the the California example that I could give was like if you're in if you're in Modesto farming organically versus Napa farming organically, you're not going to get the same bang for your buck. And therefore, it might not matter to you to get certified but that also signifies that the land where you are might not be as optimal for grape growing it just might be a poor quality land which is why it, you might be producing poor quality wine um not to yeah, I, I think Modesto is, or anything is, like that but you know what no, i mean like a really good point in terms of you know well what's the selection effect here in terms of who is choosing to get certified and uh, and and who is choosing to get biodynamic, for example? So right. I I think of I mean you know if you have high margins, uh, you're more likely to be able to invest in these practices, right? The certification. So that's kind of a little bit of a bias uh, that is kind of difficult to control for. Uh, that yeah. makes, uh, you know those that and we see kind of you know the, the French study also shows a difference between organic certification and biodynamic certification with biodynamic getting a higher rating, uh, higher scores um, as you know uh, from the experts and I think that's also a selection effect that those who get to be to decide to go biodynamic uh, since it's more you know kind of a labor intensive. Uh, you know, tend to uh, to be slightly different in terms of their uh, the characteristics of the vineyards. Yeah. Well, I, uh, let's jump then to the marketing of this. I, your book, really, the Green Bundle, is wonderful, and I highly recommend Thank it you. to anybody who's you know working with organic or biodynamic farming in viticulture or in any business, but since this is a wine podcast, I'm just talking to anybody who's interested in these things. I, it's a must read because it really breaks down the the issues with marketing and the mistakes that so many of us make. Like I've made a hundred of the mistakes that you point out in this book and it's just so eye-opening. It's really a marketing book, even though, you know, you, you're approaching it from a, an academic standpoint, but it really is like, if we want to, if we actually want to make a difference in the world with our products, we have, I mean, we have to have the knowledge that you're put, you've put into this book. It's just really fantastic i can't recommend it enough thank you um yeah and and so i can we just ask you know i I mean this is answered in the book in many ways but why do many green communication efforts fail yeah so i i I think what we've seen in the past and there are plenty of of, uh, fun examples of that is People thinking that consumers are going to just want to pay for the environment, for the public good. And so focusing mostly on trying to get this, you know, kind of uh, dark green consumer 
and thinking that we're all going to become like this, like, you know, the Berkeley type that uh, <laughs> wear Birkenstocks and, and, and bikes to work and uh, eats on, you know, vegan. And, you know, eventually we might go there, but, you know, this, there's a transition. And um, so in the meantime, uh, people are not as willing to sacrifice, you know, kind of anything uh, in terms of uh, the most people, I would say, you know, so I, I called right. us because I'm part of, of that category, the, con um, the convenient environmentalist. So we're, we're doing the right thing. We're buying products if it's convenient. So what, how do we make it convenient to consumers to kind of increase the market share of uh, green products, to kind of target that, you know, most important part of the consumer base? And so what I'm saying in the green bundle is that you need to bundle the private benefits, so the things that are good for, for you as a consumer, to the uh, you know, unbundled benefits. How do you do that? So one you know, obvious example uh, with the wine is quality. So find products that are good in terms of quality as well as good for the environment. And there are many products that, you know, that can do that. Um, you know, if you think about Tesla, uh, you know, kind of the uh, electric car, it's an example. People actually buy Tesla because they are excellent cars in terms of acceleration, in terms of uh, aesthetics, in terms of the electronics, everything, you know, uh, mm -hmm. because it's, uh, it's good for the environment. It's a plus. It's great. But it's foremost, I mean, the, the people where the initial buyers were really into the, uh, the quality of the car. So then another, another element that you can use in, you know, and I have five different ways to kind of bundle the uh, private benefit with the public good. The other, the other one, apart from quality, is status. status. So, for example, if you, you know, um, what we call a conspicuous consumption, and that would be where you look good because you are, you know, kind of buying green products. And it's possible that you could do it with wine, actually. You know, you could think, well, you know, if I have to buy a bottle of wine and I go to, you know, kind of these friends, I mean, you know, after the, uh, the pandemic is all over, I guess I bring a bottle of wine at a dinner party. Then, you know, I could decide to bring a green, you know, uh, an organic wine just to show that, you know, this is me. I'm green. You know, I care about the environment and that's kind of who I am. And I'm showing uh, I'm showing this through my purchase or through my gift to my, my friends. So that status, that's the second one. And you could say, you know, with the example of Tesla, that also, you know, kind of Tesla is a car that has a high status. And that's therefore something you're showing off your wealth and also your kind of caring for the environment. Um, then there's money, which is the uh, you know, third element of the bundle where, you know, of course, if you're saving money, you're more likely to be, you know, purchasing green products, example being, uh, you know, about um, LED lights or, you know, so energy efficiency, definitely that's kind of a, a, a bit of a, an easier, uh, you know, um, element to make. But in general, green products are a bit more expensive. So that's kind of uh, more the exception than, than the, the rule. And then uh, otherwise, you have health. Health is a very, very, very important element of the, of the green bundle. If mm. you prove, and that has been the case with organic products, not really with wine, but with other uh, organic products. And I think one of the reasons why the organic market has, has grown so fast is because it's good for your health. You don't put all the chemicals in your, you know, in your body by eating, um, you know, 
strawberries or tomatoes, and therefore it's good for your health. And that connection, when you make it, uh, is very, very strong. With wine, the problem is that it's an alcoholic beverage. Therefore, uh, most people would think that it's not good for your health. And so that's kind of the issue is how do you, you know, how do you reconcile the, one of the main benefits of uh, organic produce with wine? Do you so, think it, you know, do you think it discussions helps about sulfites and, and, and people who are allergic or not allergic and so on. Right. Uh, that's kind of a little bit more difficult to make the claim uh, with wine. I just finish and then we can go back to that. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. An interesting. Sure. And the last, the last element of the of the the bundle is um, emotion. Emotion. Of getting right. people more emotional with uh, kind of their purchase and and how they perceive uh, you know the uh, product and its connection to the environment. And I think that's where actually for winemakers, you know, storytelling and emotion and 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 getting people to be you know kind of feeling closer to nature with their wine purchase is probably one of the, you know, the most um, effective ways. Uh, since some of these labels are not super effective and, and sometimes, you know, some of these uh, organic uh, and even biodynamic labels are not incredibly easy for people to understand. So these are kind of the five elements of the bundle. So we have quality, we have status, we have uh, money, we have uh, health, and then we have emotion. And this is the, the egotistic benefits, basically, versus yes. the altruistic yes. benefits. Yes, the co-benefits, cool yes. Right. I mean, you could um, think the emotion, emotion, you could get it a little bit more altruistic. You know, emotion is empathy, so there is a little bit. Oh, that's different. true, yeah. You could work on, on that, yeah. It's that, that blurred line where it feels good to do good kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Um, well, the the question that I was uh, that it popped into my head was more about uh, in talking about the health benefits of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that when you're removing harmful pesticides from the environment, there's obviously a a broader health concern. Not necessarily that the wine that you're putting into your body is more healthy for you because it's it's still an alcoholic product, but that the world that you're creating with that purchase is a world where those where harmful synthetic chemicals have been removed from the agriculture and therefore are not in the air or not in the water stream or not poisoning the workers that work in those vineyards. And so there's a broader health appeal. Do you think that is effective or do you need the immediate, this benefits my health as I consume it? Yeah. So I think for, for most, uh, you know, kind of sustainable products or, you know, this is the case, right? You're you're buying uh, products that have less uh, chemicals in the you know during the production process and are better for, you know the the again it's a public good thing. It's 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 good for everyone. So whether you want to pay for the public good is it, it, kind of a question, right? If you don't get an immediate benefit, will you be willing to pay for the public good? So I think that's the difficult thing to get people to uh, to be willing to do, but. With wine, I think what we have is also the winemaker. You know, why would they adopt these practices? I think one of the main reasons, you know, apart from the quality of, of the wine, is the health benefits. Right? If you're growing grapes and uh, you are in an environment that doesn't have as many chemicals, it's good for you, it's good for your employees, it's good for your children. 
Right. So we did actually, uh, you know, did a, a survey of, uh, you know, kind of uh, winemakers in California and found that those who have children and, and, you know, intended to pass down their wineries to their children were more likely to adopt organic practices. So yeah, I'm not, makes not sense, surprised right? at I mean, all, yeah. And that's a big, big health benefit for those who are working and living in, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the vines, in the, in the yeah, I, I, I mean, I have a sense that, that, I mean, that's been my intuitive sense as well, just in talking to organic farmers is a number one concern just at the beginning of their journey was thinking about, you know, I'm going to be living here, my kids are going to be playing in this vineyard, you know, what kind of environment do I want to create for my family? And organic was, you know, that's why they went that direction and that's kind of the solution so you you know so there are many reasons why then you don't need to label it uh you know to your consumers because you might do it for other reasons not just for your consumer but you might do it for you as a you know uh, a grape grower when and you might do it for um you know not so you might do it for the quality of the wine and then if all of these things go well you don't need really to talk about sustainability or to label it because you're already, you know, you're getting a wine that's better and it's good for your health. So you get all the benefits and then therefore you're, you know, kind of this third party certification is worth it. So yeah. that these are, I think the main, uh, you know, kind of the two main elements that get. Um, so, so, you know, in France, the days, there was this uh, in 2014 in the Bordeaux area, which is a very, very, uh, you know, um, one of the biggest uh, regions of uh, winemaking in France, they had to evacuate a school, children and uh, teachers, uh, because they were spraying the vines around, you know, just before and uh, the fields. And then, you know, kind of, they all had headaches and, you know, throwing up and all that stuff. So they had to be uh, evacuated. So, you know, that was kind of a, a wake-up call for the you know, wine industry there and, you know, saying, no, what do we do for our community? Uh, right. how do we change our practices. And that has kind of led to a, a change of how they were looking at the, uh, the environment and sustainable practices after, you know, after the, the this event it was a big, big deal, actually. Well, so if we're talking about wine, what kind of appeals, I mean, you alluded to the emotional appeal for consumers is that the most effective one or or which what kind of appeals are are the most effective when it comes to wine from what you've found so i think the other yeah, storytelling and that's what wineries are you know are doing talking about you know kind of uh who they are and how and why you know kind of uh, grape growing and winemaking matters to them the story of where they come from and, and all of that i think it's really important um, and, and, you know, kind of how you get people to, you know, visit the, the, the winery and, and talk about this on site. But the question yeah. is, how do you get to communi communicate this uh, on, on a bottle, right? Right. <laughs> and so uh, I think that's the main challenge. So I'm not saying anything that, that they don't know about this. Um, yeah. What I see, though, is, is a big change in, uh, in how... Um, the new, newer generation, I mean, the younger generation perceives that. So I think there was kind of this reluctance to, to look at the environment and to look at sustainable practices as something, you know, beneficial. I think, and we did some surveys of uh, 
you know, kind of the 18 to 20, you know, nine, sorry, 21 to uh, kind of 30, 35, uh, you know, year old um, uh, consumers. And what we find is that they are willing to try new things. So they are willing, they are more excited about the idea of, uh, of organic practices. So they are willing to try it uh, as, as, as a fun thing, but they are not willing to pay a high premium. So that's kind of the, the, draw, the drawback. There right. is kind of a change, a generational change in what consumers want related really, to wine, but they don't, they don't want to pay you know, the, the, kind yeah. of the premium. So that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I found that as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, I mean, I, I mean, my guess about how to communicate that on the label is that you kind of have to build a brand and, and then when people see your brand, they associate it with the green practices that you've built that brand upon. Is that, mm -hmm. I mean, is, is that a real solution? I, th I think that's, yeah. I mean, what, you know, some of the wineries, although we're reluctant to do that, right? Just yeah. About Fetzer and Bonterra, they decided to have two different brands, not to make sure right. they're not right. of a, you know, kind of a, you know, two very different approaches. But yes, I mean, uh, engaging, uh, you know, the consumers in, uh, uh, in, the, in the story and getting them uh, involved, engaged in, in, uh, in the practices, telling them, you know, what is happening and, and is, is a good way to, to keep that. Everybody's talking about authenticity. And uh, yeah. I think in the case of um, winemaking, you know, it's kind of clearly one place where things, you know, can be very authentic because uh, you're talking about farming. And so that's, that's something that's, you know, that can be, you know, definitely communicated. Um, but you need to get people to go there. It's, it's just hard to do it without, without people actually visiting, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I've, I've noticed that as well, um, being a virtual winery <laughs> myself. I, I, one of the features, you have a whole list of features that, that brands uh, or products need to, I, I mean, features is the wrong word, but they need to abide by to, to, uh, to do well in terms of selling their green approach. And I mean, some of those are accurate claims, no greenwashing, full transparency, clarity about effectiveness, and the what's in it for me. And then you you gave that list the sort of the appeal to the ego. Um, what in you and you do talk about transparency a lot, and I just wanted to dig into yeah. that a little bit. What what kind of yeah? No, I, th I think is... that's so. You know, I started you know talking about the green bundle as the kind of the elements of the green bundle, but if you think about how kind of information, you know, comes to us, uh, when you look at it first, you know, you need to kind of recognize the information, understand it. And that's a little bit, you know, the problem with the current, I think the current labels, but the first thing is, okay, what is this? You know, you look at a package and say, what does it mean? Do I understand it? Do I trust it? And that's mm -hmm. where the transparency is important. And, you know, the label needs to be clearly saying what they mean, you know, what they mean, be understandable without having to kind of look somewhere else and you have to trust it right of course if you come from the government versus if it comes from uh, a company it's a little bit of a different way of, of looking at it so that's the first kind of step so once you get that and what we found is that people tend to recognize in general you know labels that have 
that are on different products. So in general, except maybe in wine, organic the organic label is well uh, recognized by most people because you see it on so many products. So that helps in general, except in wine where it confuses people more. But so you need to have this label that is, you know, kind of clearly indicating what people think. And biodynamic is not really uh, perfect either, although it doesn't have the disadvantage of organic, which means two different things. Biodynamic for most people doesn't mean what we think it means, right? Um, so we did a survey, which was really fun. We asked people, oh, what do you mean? You know, see this word biodynamic, what do you think it means? And one word, you know, so we had the survey. So everybody had to just say, you know, kind of give one word as a response. And most people would say things like uh, bioengineered, sci-fi. So we had categories. So they think about kind of something completely different than what we think about when we think about biodynamic. And and we had people said BS. And so they kind of couldn't, Mm -hmm. uh, those who had never seen it, did not understand it uh, when they first saw it. They could not, you know, kind of uh, connect that specific word with farming and sustainable practices. So that's a little bit of an issue. I think it's kind of lost in translation from, you know, kind of uh, Rudolf Steiner's, you know, uh, I'm not sure how they say this in Austrian, uh, in, in German, but... That might be the same word, but in English, it doesn't really translate that well. So it has a dis- that's a disadvantage in terms of people not being able to recognize it immediately. The advantage, though, is when they are explained, they all remember it because it's such a, a very unique term, right? So that's yeah. the problem of you know, some of the labels, uh, you know, kind of recognition, transparency, and then we don't want greenwashing, right? I feel like some of the... Um, Lack of transparency in some of these labels, the fact that there are so many labels and it's not just in wine, it's in most products, is creating more confusion than it is helping. So yeah. You have so many, you know, fair trade, this and that, and so so many different labels on a product, you have 15 labels, you're like, well, what is this? Right. <laughs> and that kind of goes to greenwashing, that's, you know, uh, and yeah. problem of, of this label self, self, you know, kind of, uh, uh, self-certified or self-declared you know, uh, label in France is that you have a bunch of these labels that are not third-party certified that lead to greenwashing. And then people are confused, even more confused. And then they don't trust these labels anymore. So that's the main issue. So you really need to have um, kind of label you understand uh, and you trust. And then that's the, the bundle kind of motivation part you need to be willing to pay for the premium, right? You need to find ways to get the consumer to be interested in that label. It's not just sufficient to have a label. You need to kind of bridge this information you provide to some kind of private benefit. You know, again, quality, status, money, um, health, and emotion. So it's this kind of these two elements. If you, yeah. if you don't have any, uh, if you're, you're not credible, then, you know, it just, uh, it's not, it's not going to work. In some cases, and I think that's what's happening in wine, you just should not talk about sustainability anyway. I, I don't think it adds too much. You just talk about, you know, kind of the quality of your practices and how good they are for, for, for you know, for 
for the wines, for the grapes, for the planets, but you don't really, I'm not sure the label is actually that, that's uh, you know, useful for the consumer. Right. Well, so the other aspect that's a big part of your book is, is the element of price and what people, you know, the cost of these products and the pricing of the products. But I'm wondering, is there a synergy between transparency and price? Do consumers want transparency about how much it costs to produce this and therefore what the retail price is? Like, do you know Everlane, the fashion company from... Mm -hmm. And how they like on each article of clothing, they'll they'll show like you know materials cost, labor cost, shipping cost, you know total cost to produce equals you know fourteen dollars, you know retail price fifty dollars. So you see that they've done like a two and a half to three percent markup from their cost of goods, or not two and a half, two two and a half to three times markup of whatever their cost of good was. Um, do people care about that? I mean, I know it worked for them, but maybe that's not the only reason that they had success. Do you, have you looked into that at all? Well, I mean, so that's kind of more on the social side, right? Do people care about how things are produced uh, in, you know, in the supply chain, uh, in different countries? How much are people paid? So this mm -hmm. is kind of more and more important for consumers, right, to kind of know um, if, uh, you know, if people are paid, you know, minimum wage. So a lot of companies are, I mean, are starting to really be clearer on these, you know, elements. So this was something that a few years ago, people were not really discussing much, but now you can't really have the environment. I mean, sustainability means both the environment and social component of it. So it's hard to disentangle them. So if a company is, you know, kind of very, um, advanced in terms of the environmental claims, they need to be also kind of paying attention to how they treat their workers and, uh, you know, kind of social issues and, and, and what they do with their supply chain. So I think these two issues are now very, very related um, right. in, in how, you know, companies are evaluated. So when we talk about, you know, ESG, how you know, publicly traded companies are evaluated now by socially responsible investors. They, they think about e the environment as social and governance, and and they rarely, except for climate, rarely disentangle them. So mm. companies need to, to kind of have that now in you know yeah. in their in, in their approach to be clear on that. Whether they need to be as clear as detailing exactly what percentage of uh, of uh, the cost is allocated to their workers. Uh, I don't know. I haven't tried, you know, I haven't tested that in surveys. But okay. fair trade is doing some of that, right? Fair trade is doing some of it saying, you know, we are paying, you know, a specific... Right. It's a living wage, at least. I mean, wage, they don't yeah. say what that means in that specific country, but they at least guarantee that it's a living wage. Exactly. Right? Yes. So yeah. I think I think now these, these issues are, are, are way, you know, very way related and, and it's going to be you know, important for any company to make sure they address both. Well, this is really great. I mean, again, I can't recommend the book enough. And it sounds like you wrote a book about how to sell environmentally friendly products using appeals to self-interest. And then you did a study showing that wine tastes better uh, if it's grown organically or biodynamically. <laughs> so it just makes me think you might have an ulterior motive here of uh, selling organic wine. 
Is that <laughs> <laughs> do you secretly own a organic wine? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have any kind of uh, you know <laughs> of interest here. I just have uh, of a general interest in uh, in. Uh, in, in helping others to uh, you know reduce their their footprint and my own footprint on, on the yeah. planet, but uh, hopefully if you know if I think this is one of the cases where things go in the right direction, and so what I feel is that you know we should tell that story if it's you know if, and and you know make sure this is the story and that's why we kind of wanted to do this scientifically in in testing uh, you know kind of the uh, relationship between uh, certification or sustainable certification and quality so you know as, as scientists we want to make sure that the story is you know has scientific uh, scientific uh, basis and then you know then people can use that if, uh, if it helps them that's great well how can people uh, find your book or learn more about what you're doing? Or I don't know if you want people to get in touch with you, but any... Yeah, any, I mean, uh, I'd love people to contact me, of course. Uh, my book is on Amazon, The Green Bundle, Pairing the Market with the Planet. So that's easy to get. And uh, sure, I mean, I, I definitely value uh, talking with people about their own, uh, you know, kind of their own strategies and learning from them. I feel like, you know, the... It's much better, and that's why with the uh, this, this study uh, on wine, we've you know interviewed and surveyed uh, a lot of wineries because I think that's how you know we we, we learned. So definitely, yeah, it sounds like people care. We just have to get better at, and your book really helps with this to get better at communicating our 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 mm -hmm. message, basically. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Absolutely. I, I yeah. Really well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been great. This is, uh, couldn't, couldn't have asked for a better guest on the Organic Wine Podcast. No, thank you. Honestly. Thank you. Thank you.